Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Adam. So glad you are joining us this morning. Y'all awake and alive? Yeah, some of you are like, no, more coffee. Hey, so glad you guys are here with us this morning. We are continuing on in our starting point series, and we're just going to get right into the question this morning. And this is a question that I think a lot of us here in this room can relate to. How many of you have ever made a deal with God? Something like, all right, God, if you will do something for me, then I promise I will fill in the blank. All right. Some honest people here in the room appreciate that. And maybe this wasn't like a pivotal point in your life. Maybe it was just you were driving down the road and you passed a cop and you looked down and you were speeding and you're like, God, if you would just get me out of this ticket, I will give extra money to church next Sunday. <laughs> All right? Or maybe it was when you were in college and exams were coming up, you didn't really study for exams. And you're about to walk in there, and your whole grade is dependent on how this test goes. And you're like, man, I think I remember something in the Bible. It's like, uh, what is it? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And hopefully that applies to passing exams. You're like, God, if you can just get me through this exam, if I can pass this class, I'll do more Bible readings. I'll go to church more. I'll pray more. You're like, on and on. Or it could be, on a more serious note, could be that you've watched a loved one just with their health declining, and maybe you're praying that God would heal them. And, and just in case prayer wasn't enough, you're putting in some other incentives to God. Like, God, I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. Please, please just heal this person that I love. I think oftentimes when we try to make a deal with God, it usually goes in one of two directions. And sometimes we're disappointed because God doesn't come through for us in the way that we were asking him to. It could be that we lost a loved one, or we lost our job. It could be that we failed a class. Something goes wrong in our life, and maybe it even caused you to question if God is really real, if God is really in control of everything, or maybe you're thinking, all right, maybe God is in control of everything, but he doesn't have my best interest in mind, or God doesn't really care about me. On the flip side of it, there's times when you ask God to do something, and God comes through. But how often do we keep up our end of the deal when we promise God that we'll do something? It's like when we're driving past a cop, we're like, God, please don't let him pull me over. We get a little further, and we're like, ha I did it. That was a close one. Or you think, it's because I was only going nine over, not ten over. If I was going ten over, then I would have gotten pulled over but I just made it. I'm looking at Steve because he was a cop, and I'm like, I'm not saying it's okay to speed, all right? That is not the point of this message. And, but sometimes we don't keep up our end of the deal. We say, all right, God, we're going to give some more money to church. That doesn't happen. Or we say, all right, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go to church more. And we do that for a few days or a few weeks, and then it's just back to life as usual. And I think when we make deals with God or we try to negotiate with God, we're relying on a pretty big assumption. And that assumption is that God needs something from us or God wants something from us. And maybe we think, all right, God just wants my obedience. And so we use it like bargaining chips. Like, all right, God, if you come through for me in this way, I'll give you some obedience. 
Or you want some church attendance? I can give you church attendance. Just come through for me. Or you think, ah, churches, they talk about money all the time. God just wants my money. And you think maybe you can use that to negotiate with God. And maybe it sounds kind of silly when we put it into these kinds of terms. But does God really need something from us? Is God really looking to get something from us? Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the words of King David in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, where he says this, O our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything that we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. God created the universe and everything in it. God created us. He gives us life every single day that we have breath in our lungs. And so there is nothing that we could give back to God that God couldn't just have for himself, that God couldn't just create. It isn't that God needs anything from us. It makes me think back to when I was a kid. It would be early December, and my parents would take us to the library or some other place like that. And they set up like this shopping center for kids so we could buy Christmas presents for our parents and it would be a surprise when my parents got the gift. And so my parents would give me money to buy them a gift. Sounds a little backwards, right? It kind of is. Like, I was not giving my parents anything that they really needed or they couldn't get on their own. And it didn't give me any kind of leverage in bargaining with my parents. I couldn't be like, well, if you don't let me stay at my friend's house, then I won't get you a Christmas present with your own money. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And I think the same thing is true with God, is we can't just feed God some incentives or motivate God by giving him things. God doesn't negotiate with us. And God doesn't negotiate with us because it's not that he wants something from us, but God wants something for us. And so that's the next point here. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And Christianity is way more about what God does for us than what we can do for God. Now, I don't know what some of your church background is. For some of you, depending on how you grew up, you might be thinking, I don't know about this idea of God wants something for you or for me. Maybe that sounds kind of fluffy. You know what I mean? Like, God just wants something for you. All right. And maybe you're thinking, but isn't it all about God and what God is? Not about us getting things, but that is exactly the point. It's not about our efforts to get anything from God, but it's about what God does to give us things that we don't deserve. We are not the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. How many of you know what this acronym stands for? D-O-A. Some of you? This is a medical term. It stands for dead on arrival. It refers to when a medical professional enters the scene and the patient is already dead before the patient can be helped. Or somebody is being transferred to the hospital and they pass away before they even get there. They're dead on arrival. An interesting thing is that God says that this is true for all of us at one point in our lives. We were dead on arrival. Our starting point in life 
is that we were dead. Not physically. That'd be kind of weird. You know, like, but we're here today. All right, we weren't physically dead, but we were spiritually dead. And so we're going to spend some time in Ephesians chapter 2 and talk about how we were spiritually dead and what God did for us that we don't even deserve. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And this is written by the Apostle Paul to a church. And he says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. These verses aren't just talking about really bad people who've lived in history. This isn't just about Hitler or Stalin, people like that. This is even true of people like Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, people that sometimes we put up on a pedestal and you almost think that they were just born following Jesus or they have their life all together right from the start. But that's not true. And these verses are describing the human condition for people like that and for people like me and for people like you. Our starting point in life is to be dead in our sins, to be spiritually dead, and also to be following the ways of the devil. You might be thinking, hang on, wait a minute. I was never a Satan worshiper. I'm not saying that you were like practicing as a Satan worshiper, but that's Satan's whole scheme is he doesn't just want people to worship him as like a Satan worshiper, but he would love it if everybody just lived for themselves, if you just thought you were the captain of your life or you were going to figure things out for yourself and you're going to live for your happiness, your ambition, your desires, and Satan's just there working in the background and he's totally fine with that as long as you don't live for God. And so this is the condition that we're in. We're following after the ways of the devil. And we have sin, not just it's not just that we do sinful things, but we're sinful people. It's part of who we are on the inside. It's part of our nature. And because of that, we deserve God's anger. We deserve God's punishment on sin. And it's not because God is just some angry God that's looking to like smack down on people who have sin in their lives, but it's because of God's justice. I think about it like this. Um, if somebody broke into your house, stole everything that you value, and then burnt your house down, you'd be pretty upset, right? And let's just say that person who burnt down your house gets caught by the police and they're brought on trial, and the judge looks at this convicted criminal and says, all right, it's very clear that you are guilty of all of these crimes against you, but you can just go home and be a free man. You don't have to pay for what you've done. And that person just walks out free. I think everybody here in this room would have a hard time with that. Why? Because that's not justice. You can't see something wrong and just sweep it under the rug as if it didn't happen. 
And God is the same way. God is a God of justice. He doesn't just sweep sin under the rug. And so there is a punishment for sin. And that punishment is for people to spend eternity in separation from God. And so since this is all of our starting point, this is a predicament that all of us have been in at some point in our lives. And there is no amount of negotiating with God to get out of this. There's no way that we can get to heaven just by giving God something that he wants. It's not like we can offer God a deal that he just can't refuse. The only way that anybody has a shot at going to heaven is by God's grace. And grace is giving somebody a gift that they don't deserve. And so we're going to keep reading in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. And it says, but... God. And that first word there is a contrasting word. We just talked about this really bad condition that all of us are in. We all deserve to experience God's anger, but, and it doesn't say but because of our own efforts, but if we could just, it says but God, because God is the solution. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though We were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So when we think back to this condition of being lost in our sins, following the ways of the devil and our sinful desires, There is nothing, nothing that we could offer God or make a deal with God to get out of this predicament of experiencing his punishment for sin and earning a relationship with him and earning a place in heaven. We just can't do it. We are totally incapable of doing anything to please God. And the only way that we can be saved from our sin is by God's grace And grace has given us this gift that we don't deserve. And God showed us his grace when he sent his one and only son to leave his rightful place in heaven, to come to earth, to live as a man, the perfect life that none of us could ever live. And then he died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. And God poured out his anger on Jesus. Remember I said that God is a God of justice. He can't just sweep sin under the rug And we see God's justice played out in what Jesus did on the cross. And the only reason why we don't have to pay for our sin is because of what Jesus has done for us. And we can have forgiveness of our sins and a relationship with God in the hope of heaven by believing in what Jesus has done for us and receiving that gift of grace. And with God, grace is the rule, not the exception. This doesn't mean that everybody is saved. This doesn't mean that everybody gets to heaven someday. But what this means is that God offers grace 
to everyone. The offer of salvation is there. No matter how bad your past is, no matter how old you are, no matter what ethnicity you are, God's gift of grace is there for you. And I wasn't planning on talking about this this morning, but after talking about it during the host time, I just got to point out that this is such an incredible example of God's grace. Just in the last week, five people who were headed down the wrong path have turned their life over to Jesus through faith and have received God's grace. And these people have the hope of being with God in heaven for all of eternity and experiencing his goodness in like no other way. And I just love in these verses that we just read, it says that God is rich in mercy and he has a wealth of grace. It's not that God just has just enough grace and mercy to go around, but those qualities are abundant in God. And that describes God's character. Now, I am not nearly as gracious as God is, but I do show a lot of grace to my young son, who's almost three months old now. I give him a lot of gifts that he does not deserve. He cannot pay me back. So I, I make sure that he has formula every week. I pay for him to have clothes. He has a roof over his head. This baby has all the toys and books that any baby could ever want. And what does he do to earn it? Nothing. He doesn't do anything to pay me back. It's kind of a one-sided relationship. Like I give and he takes but thankfully, my love for him is not dependent on what he can do for me. And I didn't bring Liam into our family because Gabby and I wanted somebody to cook dinner for us. <laughs> and I didn't bring Liam into my family because we needed somebody to clean up our living room. <laughs> but this is not my house, by the way. This is very Photoshopped. <laughs> And I didn't bring Liam into our family because we needed somebody to fold the laundry. <laughs> See, my love for my son is not dependent on what he can do for me. And I give him good things in life because of my love for him. And God loves everybody here in this room more deeply than I could ever love my son. And because of God's love, he has this offer of grace. He offers us a relationship with him for all of eternity. He offers us a place in heaven. And there is nothing that we could do to earn that or to deserve that. Now, the thing with God's grace is it's not something that we should just take as a free gift. Like, woohoo, and then go on living our lives the way that we've always been living our lives. God's gift towards us is not something for us to just take selfishly. In uh, verse 10 here of Ephesians, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a bigger plan for us than to just go on living our lives the way that we've always lived it, to go on living for our happiness or our selfish ambitions or anything like that. And God offers us this gift of salvation, not just so that we can have a get-out-of-hell-free card in our back pocket, 
And God offers us this gift of salvation, not so that we can just have eternal security and know we're good with God and then just focus on all the things that we want to focus on in life or to live life for ourselves. But God gives us this incredible gift so that we can turn our lives around and be used for the plans that he has for us. But this is what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. And that is 100% of the to-dos in the Christian faith are responses to what God has done for us. Now, as we've been talking through God's gift, it sounds like I'm almost downplaying obedience to God. I don't want to downplay living the life that God wants us to live and becoming more like Jesus. But the thing is, Those are not requirements in order to have a relationship with God. The message of Jesus is come as you are. You don't have to clean up your life first, but then don't stay that way. And God wants to do a work in our lives for us to become more like Jesus and to live in the plans that he has for us. And so as we wrap things up this morning, I think all of us, are presented with two choices. Maybe you've already made the first choice, and that is God offers us grace. But if you want to go to heaven someday and have a relationship with him, then it's on you to receive that gift of grace by believing in Jesus and what he did on the cross and turning away from sin. And not everybody is going to go to heaven someday because not everybody is going to receive God's gift of grace through faith. And there is nothing, nothing better than knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him for all of eternity. And I would feel so sad if anybody missed out on that. But here's the reverse sales pitch. The message of the gospel is come as you are, no strings attached, but don't stay that way. And the Christian life is the best life that we could ever live. Jesus says that, He came to offer life and life to the fullest, but it's not easy. And it's a life of saying no to ourselves and saying yes to how God wants us to live. And that's really the second choice. If you've already placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, and the choice is, am I going to live for God as a response to the relationship and the grace that he has shown me? Is this a way to show God the thankfulness for what he has offered. And I think, too, if you've been a Christian for a while, sometimes it's easy to get into that rut of starting to lose appreciation for that gift that God has given us. Like when you first become a Christian, it's like, woohoo, this is the best thing ever. And then give it a few years, and you can just get caught up in that routine of, well, I just go to church every Sunday. That's what I do, or I know what the Bible has to say. And I think it would be so awesome for everybody here in this room just to have a kind of a renewed passion and excitement for this incredible gift that God offers us. And hopefully that will lead us to live our lives for God. Because sometimes we make decisions based on, am I going to get caught or do I want to live with the consequences? But I don't think those are the right questions. I think the way that God wants us to live our lives is to ask, is this what God would want me to do? And all of those to-dos in the Christian faith should be a response to what God has already done for us. And so the two choices are to receive God's grace 
We're to respond to God's grace with obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving, sinful, and broken people like us. God, if we wanted justice, uh, then true justice would be for all of us to be punished for our sins. Uh, But I thank you that that you put that punishment on Jesus in our place. That is not fair. That is not what we deserve. God, I thank you that you give us good blessings that we don't deserve and that in your mercy you withhold punishment you deserve if we would just turn to you in faith. God, I pray for anybody here in this room, if they've never experienced forgiveness through Jesus and a relationship with you, I ask that today would be that turning point in their lives. I pray for everybody else. Uh, Maybe they know you, they have a relationship with you, but they still feel like they need to earn your approval. They need to earn your love or earn a relationship with you. God, our salvation is not based on what we could give you in the first place. It's also not Uh, We're not keeping that faith based on what we can continue to give you, but it's all by your grace. And I just ask that we would experience your grace in a fresh way with thankfulness and appreciation. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.